Well, Samir, we are live. Mm. Yes, good evening. Yes, hello, people. Not there hello. Is no. You never know, there oh, might maybe. be someone. Maybe. But, yeah, I'm getting used to talking into an echo chamber. It's fine. I don't mind. Yeah. So, tonight's movie was your pick, and I've been banging it out on social media all week. Yes. Um, so, it's Get Carter, 1971. Yeah, something that is proper classic uh, and also a cult classic, but something that is good. I mean, as as always, when it's my turn, Justin always uh, skips uh, out. Yeah, there, there's a pattern, isn't there? Yeah. You know, Justin's yeah. not with us because he's got work commitments, but um, it could just be coincidence, but I'm starting to think it's because he doesn't want to review these old films. Yeah, same here. I, I think I might start doing that when he picks them. I might just say I'm washing my hair. As you can see, it takes me a long time to wash it. <laughs> yeah, there is a pattern developing, but we'll see. We'll see. Yep. I mean, I guarantee I'll be here next week with the yeah. movie that we've got planned for next week. I guarantee you then. Should I? Should I? Fish. Shall I uh, sort of say I can't make it because I'm washing my hair? <laughs> getting, my, uh, getting a beard trimmed or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> so, synopsis. Yes. So, um, Jack Carter, when his brother dies under mysterious circumstances in a car accident, a London gangster Jack Carter travels to Newcastle to investigate. So, that's the basics behind it. Yes. The top cast, Michael Caine, obviously, plays Jack Carter. Well, I Ian Hendry. Yeah. Ian Hendry, who plays a character called Eric. Uh, Britt Eklund stars in it. Well, I'll say stars in it. She's in it for about 30 seconds. Showing the tits, but yeah. Yeah. Um, John Osborne plays Kinnear. Yep. Tony Beckley plays Peter. And George Sewell plays a guy called Con. There's a few other memorable mentions in here, actually. Um, yeah, Alan that... Armstrong, who plays Keith. Yep. Yeah, Geraldine Moffat, who plays Glenda. Um, but the one that's, that um, really caught me was Brian Mosley, who played Brumby. Oh, and yeah. Brian Mosley. Coronation yeah. Street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, if you're in the UK, you should have heard of Coronation Street. It may even have an international audience by now. Who knows? But Coronation Street, based in Manchester. Um, yeah, uh, Brian Mosley was a, quite a pivotal character in that for many years. Yes. So... Well, there's the cast and the synopsis. Now, Smith, why did you pick this? I picked it because it's one of the cult classic and it's a classic. I generally enjoyed it. I've seen it half a dozen, dozen times. And every time I watch it, I find it interesting. And I love the music as well. The music <laughs> at the start. Not because it's got the tableau in it or anything Indian music in it. It's just, it, it, you can tell there's some sort of action going to happen in this movie. And it's the way uh, Michael Caine plays the character. But not only that, there was a historic point. That was Michael Caine's last movie for a decade and a bit in Britain, or decade. And if you can, if you look at the background, it's the case of the economic decline of Britain. And he left Britain because I think there was something called the super tax, where they paid about seventy-five percent of their income if it was over a certain amount. And uh, yeah. It was, brain, it was brain drain and talent drain, and a lot of people like Michael Caine just went off to America, uh, saying, "Why should I? Uh, I've worked my life really hard to make movies and make a living out of this and become a millionaire. Why should I pay seventy-five or seventy whatever percent it was of income, yeah. which I get as well because I wouldn't pay that myself." Well, uh, I mean, why the fuck would you? I mean, when you can see what what's happening with government. Why the fuck would you give up 75% of your income to those wankers? Yeah, exactly. So that's why I chose it, because it's showing actually the history of Britain and how there was a north and south, a big north-south divide as well. If you look at the mm -hmm. houses up north and you saw the gangster's house down south, okay, there was one or two nice houses up north, but generally you could tell the difference. Well, yeah, and something I picked up on definitely is the absolute shithole that this was filmed in. And it looked like a war zone. There's piles of bricks everywhere and fucking rubbish and shit. And it was awful. 
and it was actually in Newcastle that he filmed it. They were mm. going to do it because the book is actually based in Durham Town, which is not that far. I think it's about, I think it's about twenty miles or something from or, or where Newcastle is or less. Uh, and I Durham. think it's yeah, I think it's Durham, and I think it's Gateshead as well. Yeah, they're very close up there in the, in the yeah. sort of northwest area. Yeah. But there is one flaw, though, in the movie that I find funny because Kane's character is meant to be from Geordie Land. But because he's been in London so much, he speaks like a cockney. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought exactly the same because Newcastle is supposed to be Jack's hometown, isn't it? He says exactly. it on a few, a few occasions. It's like you wouldn't have lost a, a Geordie accent like that, mate. Not right. unless you'd moved moved to London when you were about two years of age. Exactly, yeah. Even if he was there for 20, 25 years, he would still have the Geordie accent. Yeah, a little twang I know, so, Yeah, because I've got a friend who's been living down south for about 20 plus, 25 years. Uh, and he's from Liverpool. But every time mm. you meet someone from Liverpool, boom, it suddenly uh, turns back. So Michael <laughs> Caine would have actually been speaking Geordie if he was actually a Geordie. Uh, Geordie accent, uh, but then again, internationally, I don't think people would have understood it because even us locals in Brit do find it hard sometimes to understand the Geordie accent. The last time I spoke to a couple of fellas from Newcastle, well, I was actually in Liverpool, and that there was um, a, a Liverpool FC versus Newcastle United game about to kick off that day, mm-hmm. and um, no, it was actually the, the, the day after. Um, but one uh, one evening, I was out in the town, out in Liverpool town, visiting a few pubs and stuff. Yeah. And these two Geordie fellas just started talking to me and the people I was with. And I had to really, really fucking pay attention to what they were saying because it was hard work. And they are a bit pissed as well, you know. It was fucking hard work. <laughs> I know, really, it was a funny combination. I had a friend who was born... Uh, at uni, was born in Newcastle, brought up in Newcastle, had a Norwegian mum and a Pakistani dad. And that is a very unusual uh, combination. Uh, and he spoke Geordie. And all I understood was my name and A. <laughs> and that's it. Besides that, I would just nod my head going, yeah, yeah. Thinking, what the hell is he saying? And no offence to Geordies, but yeah, it's a very hard accent. It's like um, people from Belfast. I can't really understand people that well from Belfast. I understand people better from Southern Ireland than Northern Ireland. It's just because it's so strong. So Mm. anyone who doesn't live in Britain or who doesn't know Britain that well, no, we don't only have the Cockney accent. We do have different accents in different regions down south. There's so many different types of accents. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the last thing about the Geordie accent is actually, I, I find women with a Geordie accent actually quite attractive. Don't yeah, know why. Yeah. Don't know why. There's just something about it. <laughs> so that's it. If I got a Geordie girlfriend, I'm not bringing her around to Cornwall, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I could be single by the time I leave. Oh, sorry, Sam. I, I'll remember this. Now <laughs> I bring her out. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, you mentioned like the housing and stuff uh, and the class divide. It was pretty clear in this film as well. You had like those detached properties that yeah. were isolated that the, the head gangsters owned. Yes. But yet you had those rows and rows and rows of old Victorian terraced houses where most of the action took place. Um, makes you wonder that they're still there. I guess most of them still are, I would have thought. Well, from... Yeah. Quite a few of them are there, but they've been quite a lot been uh, been knocked down because I think like Manchester and Newcastle had a massive injection of cash in the nineties, late nineties. I think like a billion or billion and a half pounds, and um, yeah, it became a destination city at one point uh, for people, especially for footballers in the late nineties uh, in the nineties. So Mm. I've been told it's changed, but that is the old Newcastle from the, uh, well, you can say virtually 70s because it was early, uh, I mean, late 60s, early 70s. So that was like in between two decades. And that's what what happened after the industrial base was ruined in this country. Those parts of the country were basically like that, really 
down. Houses was damped. I mean, yeah. the house was a fucking mess, isn't it? The, the, like, yeah. the wallpaper's all been peeling off the wall. It's funny because I see a lot of 70s stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, growing up with it as a kid, you know, I mean, yeah. like the, um, I was actually, I was just watching um, Open All Hours before I got Oh, yeah. 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 And everything's just like grimy and dirty. Everything looks like yeah. it needs a really good clean, you know? Yeah. And that, yeah. that's the vibe I get from the 70s. Everything's just really sort of, yeah. That's why uh, we're quite lucky with the lucky generation who were born in the hmm. late 70s uh, and saw the country actually change uh, yeah. in a lot of way. And yeah, we don't want to get too political, but yeah, there's certain things happening now that we don't want to end up going back to those days because people who were living in those days um, have told me that they suffered like anything. There was like people couldn't afford to heat their houses or stuff like that. Oh, Similar well, things. Coming soon. Coming, coming soon, mate. Yeah, coming part, soon. Part two. <laughs> We're going back. We're going back to how it was in the early 70s and late 60s where we won't be able to afford to turn our fucking boilers on. Paul will end up going to America probably and I'll probably decide to go to Australia then uh, or I'll join Paul in America. America. <laughs> That's not, not much of a sanctuary anymore, is it, the way things no. are going over there? But, no. uh, Australia maybe. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you mentioned um, like like struggle and stuff like that because I tell you what one of the things that really pissed me off about this film was all that white privilege what okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, why because of the casting <laughs> oh just all that white privilege everywhere you saw it just you know piles of rubble and stuff and people at least people had light switches all that white privilege then all that struggle and, and just so much privilege yeah. these people had yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> That's a political statement of the day. Anyway, should we move on? <laughs> no, but, no, but the, the fact is, uh, that was the impression, unfortunately, people had abroad that Britain was really wealthy, but the truth was, it wasn't. Uh, after the war, it never was that wealthy. Uh and that's always been the well, not always been the case, but up to a certain time, that was the case, unfortunately. And I, I understand what you're saying, and I know we're joking about it, but yeah, it's no privilege for any kind of really living like that uh, at all. And that was the shocking. The first time I saw it, I, I really became depressed in the sense, not depressed, yeah. but it haunted me. In other music, where you hear the music and you hear the sort of uh, the wind gust uh, blowing away. And you yeah. can imagine how damp that place can be and how lonely <laughs> it can be if you've got no money. And it just felt mm. that that music really described it and really got into the heart of Newcastle at the time, I think, mm. personally. I actually found an article, um, uh, article online. I'm going to share it on the screen. Um, get current filming locations. Yep. So you can see this. So that tower block that yep. Bumby was uh, thrown off of um, was actually demolished in 2010. Yeah. And the cafe never uh, happened. Yeah, they was going to build it on a top floor, wasn't he, in that film? Yeah. That and, seems ridiculous. But the thing was, they, they actually built that with the cafe or the restaurant idea, but it never happened. Then they kept that empty floor, and that's why they could film there and pretend he was going to build a restaurant. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's the pub, is it? Yeah, it's the, the pub on Neville Street in Newcastle, unchanged. Oh. Filming sites include uh, yeah, crematorium and Silver Drive, so that's the pub. There's the house. Vegas. So that's the, um, yeah, the, the, the glamorous Las Vegas boarding house that he was on. It's a Colbert Street in Gateshead. Um, still there. But I no, mean, no, those, Victor those Victorian terraces were built to last, though, weren't they? Yeah, there were. Uh, and I think, uh, by the way, uh, just to let our audience know, people don't live like that anymore in those houses. They're, they're quite well done up inside. <laughs> oh, well, in most case. of them now, uh, most of them are turned into HMOs, isn't they? Yeah, Multiple exactly. occupancy. So, that, you know, you've got the ground floor will be a flat, the middle floor will be a flat, the top floor yeah. will be a flat. Yeah, um, well, we, we know people to blame uh, for that, but we won't mention their name at the moment. That's so a bridge. Trying, yeah, that is the bridge. That's the... Um, so obviously that's still going to be there. Um, yes. Outside the city centre is the house of Cliff Brumby. 
Hmm. Okay. Well, movielocations.com, that is, if you want to look it up yourself. Wasn't Cliff Bumby's house on the road of uh, a road towards Durham or something like that in the movie? Um, uh, Big Bang actually being in Carville, way to the south, and the home of villain Cyril Kinnear, played by John Osborne, the real life house of local fruit ma- fruit machine king who was involved in the stock machine. It doesn't really say, it doesn't go into okay. massive amount of details, it's just like imagery and a few bits, bits of information. But now well, I'm sure that there's other websites that uh, if people are interested in, they could go and look up the film locations. But I thought it was just quite interesting to look at that. Yeah, the surprise of these thing, places to exist. I read something else that Michael Caine got a straight £7,000 for this movie, which was quite surprising because he was a big star at the time. Didn't they shoot it in eight months as well? Yes. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I've read that somewhere. Yeah, the Shoya within within eight months, and the book had come out six months before they started shooting. Or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, I read that as well. Yeah, so it was like in nineteen seventy, the book landed, and that was called um, cut. Return Jack of goes go back time or something. Return Jack yeah, goes Jack Return goes Jack. Jack returns home or something. I, think oh, something. Called, yeah. I looked it up today actually. That yeah. book. I thought well, that might be interesting to read because I've started reading books again. I thought well that might be interesting. Um, I found it on eBay. 750 quid. Maybe, maybe, you know, the extra bonus you get uh, as a stock broker, uh, Paul, you could put it on that. (laughs) Fucking hell, 750 quid. It was like a really old edition. You can't, well, I couldn't find it on Apple Books. I don't know if you could buy it on Amazon or not, but it seems like it's a book that's got a very limited print run, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think I might have it somewhere in the garage in a box. If I've got it, I'll send it over to you. Oh, you've got it, have you? Yeah, because uh, I became a really big fan of uh, Jack uh, Get Carter uh, when I really got into my movies. Uh, there was a period in the late 90s up to mid 2000s, you know, when you and I worked together, uh, where mm. I was virtually I was watching different movies from French movies to classics like Get Carter. And really got into it, and that's how I uh, got into it. And do you remember the uh, the silver Nokia out in two thousand and five or six? I forgot Nokia was it two ten or Nokia whatever I forgot the name or eight ten. Eighty one ten springs to mind. It might be that eighty one ten. I can't remember the exact model, but um, hmm. you could actually get tunes on there. And my tune was Get Carter. Right. So the hmm. Vingles get Carter, but I didn't know. I must have pressed something, and people started telling me when they phoned me up, they could actually hear the tune uh, in their year when before I actually picked up the phone, and they would hear Get Carter's music. And I, uh, and it was my fir- first day in business, and I met these uh, guys from the, uh, Essex. They looked, they were commodity dealers, but they looked like East End gangsters, to be honest with you, and. They phoned me up and they go, bloody hell, you've got Jack Carter's music. I said, yeah, I do, yeah. And, and they go, bloody hell, you, you don't look like a gangster or a person who would be a fan of a gangster movie. I said, do I have to look like a gangster to have that one? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so everyone knew me as Get Carter because of that. Anyone who knew the movie would say, oh, you, you know, you got, all right, Jack, and I'll get the joke in the end mm. because they could hear, hear the music. And I don't know what button I pressed uh, or whatever on the phone. There's a few things in this movie that um, I picked up on, but I don't know if I was reading too much into it because there's not a massive amount explained in this film. No, I quite. I do actually quite like that because you learn what happened with Jack in this film. Yeah. It's not all played out in a fucking flashback or a montage beforehand. You no. learn as you go, and there's a few unanswered things on it. On the train up there, the opening credits of this film, on the train up to Newcastle, you see him taking some pills. Yeah. And also he's got like a, a liquid, like a little yeah, pet. Yes. As well. Yeah. Does that go in the eyes or is it under his nose? It's like, it looked like he was sniffing it. Yeah, I think he went into his nose. Yeah. But then again, you could get cold medicine that used to, in those days with pipettes and stuff like that. But I, to me, it's probably more like drugs. Than anything else. 
I thought it was some sort of upper or something. And then yeah. the pills, he kept on taking those throughout. Little, You see it occasionally yeah. throughout the beginning parts of the movie that he's taking these these, these tablets, some sort of medication. That was never explained. No. I don't know if he was getting headaches or it was like uh, actually some sort of speed or whatever. I don't know. Some yeah. sort of uh, drug. But then again, he was a gangland. He wasn't actually a good person himself. Um, no. And that's the thing, everyone... I know we have a more story where his brother gets killed, etc. And you understand why he goes after them. But then again, it just proves that what we were talking about a few weeks ago, about the moral of people having their things on social media. If you remember, we were talking about... Uh, was it porn or something I mentioned? Uh, oh, OnlyFans that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah OnlyFans. Because of himself naked and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how he didn't bother when he was uh, when his bosses were watching it uh, in that living room, but as soon as it was uh, his own niece, who was apparently his daughter, was in the movie, how the moral compass changed. And that's one thing I loved about this movie as well, mm. how people change their mind when it's their own loved ones who could be possibly in that sort of movie. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the was his daughter because that's briefly alluded to in the film by somebody who's... I can't remember who it was now, but he said... He said that uh, Frank didn't even know if, his own, if it was his own daughter. I think it was. And that's that, it. Wasn't it that guy who was helping him at the pub who was beaten up? And then when he Might went to visit him, uh, he could. Frank didn't even know that was his daughter, you so and so bastard, or something like that. Well, yeah, Frank Frank wasn't, didn't even, wasn't even sure it was his daughter or something. And that's it. You yeah. never hear about it ever again. And there's not I, even a massive amount of. Um, Alluding to that, like if you think about modern movies now, yeah. it would be, oh shit, she's my daughter. Oh, I'd better establish a relationship with her, and then it'll be like taking her out for coffee and getting to know her. And, and well, there's none of that. It's literally he just gives her some money, and that's the last you see of her, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was funny, sort of thing. I think the reason is, I think again, I'm not going to go too much in it because it could be political. It's too much of a woke thing in today's uh, movies that make gangsters who are loving. I think they're oh, uh, really yeah. the modern movie. But no, gangsters are not loving. Their the, the bottom line is like a CEO of a company, but in illegal business to see how much money goes in their pocket and the gang's pocket. Mainly their pocket, obviously. So they don't give a shit about their family. They're not going to care about someone who's apparently his daughter or niece. Uh, the only thing, yes, he will take revenge for the death of his brother, maybe because uh, she was forced into porn or she went and started in a porn movie. I don't know. Um, they were the only two things I would say he had any feelings for. But in the rest of the movie, he didn't give a damn because he could tell from the way he treated Glenda, the way he uh, didn't give a shit about that scene mm. when the car was uh, pushed into the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Glenda's just... What is Glenda? She's Bumby's shag piece and she she's the bit on the side he's missing yeah that's yeah yeah and then yeah of course he bundles her into the back of that car that was after a giving a alpine wasn't it yeah that's right after having yeah. a bit of uh getting his leg over and uh yeah finding out she's a porn star as well uh puts her puts her in the boot yeah and then as a shootout with members of the gang i thought that those two guys that come for him were police officers on the take at first yeah but um, not, they're not at all. But anyway, yeah. So when they nudge that car into the river where the ferry station is, yeah. he just stands there and he sort of looks and he's like, shit, she was in the back of that car. Oh, yeah. well. These, <laughs> things, <laughs> these things happen. It's part of my job, part of the life I live. Uh, and it, yeah, that was pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> And not only that, but he was dressed really well, impeccably well. I thought, he was, well, without a doubt, he was the best dressed person in the movie. I wouldn't That's be surprised. That's why everyone's looking at him. When he walks yeah. into places, everyone's like looking up going, oh, who's this like fucking London spiv? Yeah. yeah. They all knew immediately as soon as he walked in anywhere. He's not from Newcastle. He's not around from here. Nah. He's, he's a Londoner. Just to explain to anyone who's either listening or going to watch this later on, what 
Paul was trying to explain, when you actually came uh, from down south and never went up north, and even up to this day, not as much as it used to be, they would really look at you in a funny way, in a not envious way necessarily, but how can I put it? They Distrustful. Would, uh, distrustful and they wouldn't necessarily like you because they would always have this uh, crafty cockney impression of anyone from london as we've explained not all of london is cockney but that's the thing and then you would go in these sort of suits and london was probably the wealthiest part of uh the country at the time without doubt like it is now there's none of london that's cockney anymore is it anyway no i don't think so i don't know what it is (laughs) No, London's just, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know what London is. London is a place where uh, rich people can go and launder money. That's probably the best ex- explanation of London. So if you're anyway, the mafia, uh, just use London. Uh... Yeah, yeah. If you're, a, if, you're, if you're a Russian that's got a shitload of money, you just go and buy property in London and never live in it. Just let it rot. That seems to be a good way to launder your money. I think it's yeah. most of the country, uh, dodgy countries Saudi that Arabia, come in. Yeah. Yeah. Chinese, they love it. And all Chinese, they buying up fucking rows and rows of houses in London. They can't get enough. And yeah. then never do anything with it. Just let it rot. Right. There you exactly. go. That's London. So myself and Paul don't live in London, obviously. You can tell. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to any, I mean, we have a big American audience for this and also a big Indian audience. And for any of those people that have never been to the UK, never been to London, I don't know what to tell you, really. I mean, it, go there for a day. That's it. Go and see all the tourist attractions on the sites. You know, go, oh, that's good, isn't it? And then fucking get out of there quick. Leave. Go somewhere else. Yeah, there's nice parts on the top. Well, yeah. I, um, I can't not say too much myself, but yes, <laughs> I know what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's not... It's not good as it Go used. to Newcastle. There yeah. you go. I'd, I'd much rather spend a week in Newcastle than I would a week in London. True. Uh, in certain mm-hmm. worlds. But then again, Newcastle's changed as well, which I cannot say, obviously. <laughs> you already said it. So, <laughs> what, what else about this film can we talk about? Because there's plenty of little bits in it that were interesting. But... Um, so actually, the part kind of eluding me at the moment. You know, uh, the guy who played Eric, Hend- something yes. Henry. Actually, a part was written for him to play Carter. All right. Uh, and MGM basically wanted to make one more movie before they shut down their studios in the UK, and that was the actual last production of their branch from the UK before they shut it down. Uh, so what happened? This guy who played Eric, uh, he was an alcoholic in real life. And um, he was on the up, but he ruined his life because he just got drunk all the time. And he was actually going to be as big as Michael Caine um, from the research I've done. But he didn't make it because of his personal problems. Everyone knows mm. being an alcoholic is actually an illness. It's not just, okay, someone likes drinking. It's an illness. Um, so... MGM said, we don't mind giving you money. It was a budget of 700000 They don't know if that was $700,000 or sterling. And uh, they said, you need a big star within that um, budget. And they were quite surprised when Michael Caine said, yes. They said, okay, the £7,000, Michael, will you do it? And he liked the script and goes, okay, I'll play the part of getting Carter. And that's why if you look at the way Eric the guy who plays Eric and Michael Caine actually act between each other. They like, he's a little bit envious of Jack. Uh, And that was actually raw hatred coming out of him because he was envious of uh, Michael Caine in real life that he made it and he hadn't. And they used, they worked on that. Basically they said, okay, let's get this out as much as possible. The hatred and envy of Eric towards Jack, because that was the actual, a uh, real life situation between the two actors. Hmm. So it's estimate seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds on IMDb. Mm. It says the budget and gross worldwide revenue sixty thousand. That's dollars. So you made it made sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, it gross. So I'm guessing yeah. we we discussed the other week, didn't we? That that must be theatrical theatrical release so yeah. at that time window that it was in the cinema worldwide 
it made mm-hmm. sixty thousand. So this film was a commercial flop. Yes, <laughs> dog shit. Which is quite you know, surprising. Well, in some ways, I can kind of understand it. I mean, I enjoyed watching it earlier today, but there were periods where it just kind of like, Ugh. yeah, you know, know. It, yeah. it was very slow in places, and there was a lot going on without a lot going on. You know, yeah. um, so I can kind of understand. I'm trying to sort of go back to a lot of 1971 ma- mindset. I mean, as impossible that is, so, but. Well, if you think about some of the stuff that you're talking about, it's also hard if you're not British, especially not from the north as well. You won't understand some of the stuff that's going on anyway, or the language or the pub culture that they show quite often. I don't think uh, as an American, you wouldn't understand it. As a person from India, you wouldn't necessarily understand it as well. Hmm. It's all about the language. At that maybe more so now. I find that there's a lot of Americans that are very clued up on English culture, but yeah. that's now. That's yeah. not back then. So yeah. that is a valid point, I suppose. Don't um, forget, our culture is virtually American now, anyway. That's why they're clued well, up. That's with true. Them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, we pretty much are the 51st state, aren't we? Yeah. No. Um, no, I. I did enjoy watching it. There were parts of it that made me laugh. I mean, the bit where he's on the phone talking, talking dirty to oh, yes. the, to his boss's wife, isn't it? Or his boss's girlfriend? Boss's girlfriend, I think, yeah. Yeah, and then he's talking about running off with her to South America and stuff, and then he's getting out of finger herself on the bed and everything. And, <laughs> and that and lady, Geordie of, lady. <laughs> yeah, and the bit I really liked about that, and I forgot about this, um, the bit I really liked about that is that she just sat there rocking on the chair listening in, and he's deliberately doing it in front of her to sort of yeah. get a reaction. He's just a complete... He's an arsehole. arsehole. He? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. also made me think that, okay, the boss's girlfriend's getting all this. And when she was rocking back, it looked like uh, they were giving a message that these people were left behind. Look at them. Look at the state of them. She looks older than she was. That was mm. the thing. It's like, okay, they've got no life up there. And this person uh, is a gangster's girlfriend. Is getting two blokes uh, who like her, etc. And it was, yeah. and it gave me that divide again of north south and i felt sorry for her at the same time she was going into her own world what could be but then again you're right michael kane was being a bastard or jack carter doing it on purpose mm. it reminded me of someone in the younger days be honest with you i wonder who that was yeah but yeah the, the, there's a comment that he made about um, well she she threatened to call the police on him at one stage the, the, the b&b owner the yeah. Las, oh, Las yeah. Vegas b&b owner and he, he went no you won't and uh, he says something, I'll tell them that, that you wear pu- purple underwear. Yeah. And now, obviously, that seems completely ambiguous when you think about it. It's like, what the fuck's that got to do with anything? But I, I guess at that point, it alluded to the fact that she she brassed herself off occasionally to make money. Yeah. So she was, she, she was a prostitute. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, the it. old woman, yeah, the old woman next door said, oh, we always knew there'd be trouble when you moved in. Oh yeah, so she was get... a and B owner as well as a prostitute occasionally as well. Yeah, exactly. That was what they were hinting. But then again, yeah. uh, it, the funniest bit was when they came to pick him up, the gangsters, and then he gets his shotgun. And this is quite—it's funny, but at the same time, I'm thinking, well, it's not right. You've got these kids marching along there on the other side of the street, and there's Michael Caine coming out naked with his shotgun. I mean, both of his shotguns basically exposed. And that's the problem. I, I found it a little bit uneasy at that point, although it blurs out from a distance. But I thought, hmm, would you walk yeah. out if someone was marching along with chains? You've got to put, I, I guess, to understand that, you've got to put yourself in that position. Yes, I, yes. He, the, I thought they were police officers. As I mentioned earlier, I thought they were two detectives that had come to pick him up. They weren't, so it made it even worse. Those guys could have killed him at some point, and I guess probably would have if they'd bundled him in the car at some point. Um, So would I have done the same? I suppose if I was in that situation, I would want to watch them, like like he did, out of the door, out, get in the car, and fuck off. I'd make sure that they've gone. So maybe not have left the house, maybe would have stood in the doorway, 
bollock naked with a shotgun pointed at them. But I think probably if it meant my life, if I like turn my back on them or close the door, then there's no telling what they could do. So I think, yeah, probably. But the funniest bit out of that scene was when the old lady picks up the bottle of milk, turns around, mm-hmm. and she drops it, and he turns around and looks back at her with a go, yeah, and what do you want? Sort of yeah, and, it, and then that scene cut. Yeah. Because that's all it needed. That was yeah, it. That's the slight it. comedic effect. Job done. No explanation. No right. stupid one-liner witty comment. No. Nothing. Just done. And people have to realise he was at the time still riding on his uh, fame from Alfie, uh, Harry Palmer, and Zulu because all the movies that had made him a big star. So this was, was just. The, when was the Italian job? Yes, before this. So it was the Italian job as well. I missed one that. So hmm. he had four big movies. Massive movies. I know most people, uh, especially football fans, will re- relate to him from the Italian job. But I think Harry Palmer was as famous. Alfie was the one that gave him the big break breakthrough in um, Hollywood, where he would yeah. actually talk to the camera uh, fourth dimension. And uh, yeah, that was a real Cockney story. I'm just looking at the Ipcris file. 1965, that was. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, was the start of the Harry Palmer. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute, wait a minute. This has got to be... So estimated budget of the Ipcris file was $750,000 estimated. Yeah. And gross worldwide revenue, it's got on here $610. That's that, that cannot be right. That's got to be like some sort of um placeholder text or something on IMDb no. for when they don't know. Wikipedia might be better to check out because they would have the better because yeah. I've got a feeling that even the the um budget, you know, the actual box office for Get Carter must have been more than that. Oh, be, yeah. Yeah. Unless, of course, this became a cult movie after that. Of course, we have to mention that this film was remade in 2000. And it was awful. Yeah, it was a Sylvester Stallone. And you can't play bloody... uh... Box office. Get Cart was a financial success. And according to Steve Chibnall, its box office takings were very respectable in its opening week. Yeah, so... Yeah, go on. There is something wrong here, I'm, I'm, because I'm looking at that. It's uh, some information, uh, $60,000. I'm sure there's something wrong. There's some uh, one, some noughts, noughts missing from yeah. that. I think um, I think that I think what we've discovered is some um, IMDb placeholders where people don't know the information or haven't updated it in years, and it's just, yeah, some uh, default placeholders. It might be six, six million or something like that. <laughs> Or something, but yes, you'd expect it to be more. Yeah, we should probably mention that it kind of ends a bit abruptly as well. This film, yes, I mean, Jack gets his revenge, he grasses everybody up in Newcastle, they all get arrested and whatnot. That's something else, actually, is that the um, Kinnear in that big mansion that he was living in, the the, the police response time. Absolutely Wasn't phenomenal. Amazing. There's about 30 of them all turning up. Yep. Literally after he put the phone down, click, 30 police officers raiding the house. I mean, that kind of police time would be fucking lovely in this day and age. You'd be lucky if they do anything anyway. Uh, uh, um, well, these yeah. days. Because they're all too busy on TikTok doing dances at the Not In Your Carnival and stuff. and. Well, I told you earlier how would I make I would make London safe. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah please state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, London, uh, the police are far too busy arresting people for um, hate crimes on Twitter these days. They got they can't turn up more banded like that anymore for a major criminal. Yeah. Can't do that. But I was amazed. There was just fucking yeah. thirty of them off on that house. Like, wow. 
Well, there's two things that I really noticed about this movie. My parents would always talk about it, like you could keep the key under the mat or keep the key on a string and just <laughs> pull it out. And that's the thing. That's how safe the country was at one time. Uh, because my parents still talk about that uh, in the, uh, up to the early 70s or mid 70s. Hmm. Uh, and it's it just amazing. You can't do that these days. Can you imagine no, putting think... the... I've got a theory on that because I, I was thinking about that that bit, that bit in the film when he first arrives in Newcastle, he just pulls that bit of string with a key on it. Yeah. And I laughed when I saw that. And but my theory on that is is that now that with uh, you know the, the trickle down economics, you can watch it slowly happen. And um, yeah. people have got more possessions now that they want to yeah. protect, which is why people are locking doors and stuff. You know, because yeah, you true. look at that film as a great example. I mean, they're lucky to have a fucking decent picture frame with a picture in it in those houses. So if you remember in that house, uh, all of it was stamped except the living room where the body was. If you, uh, When he turned on the light, that looked de- it was slightly decent, but everything else just looked like it's going to fall apart. That yeah. Nothing had changed since 1935 or 1940s, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, hmm. I felt sorry for him, actually. I thought, bloody hell, could I actually, if I was in his position in those days, I'm going to try to go back, as you are, in the 1971, and, and I was living the high life in London, for example, which is a different world anyway, even to this day. Would I be even a- a- able to sort of stay there for a day or whatever? Would I just go on the day of the funeral and go, okay, forget it, yeah, whoever, whatever's happened, happened. I'm not staying in this place. See you later, guys. I'd or would I clean? I've been cleaning myself all the time. Yeah, that's the thing. But <laughs> but you know, it's really sad to see as well because it was the end of uh, the steel industry or iron industry, coal mining, and all that was coming to an end in this country. It was going downhill all the time. So yeah, he's yeah, talking about that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, gonna... go on. Yeah, go on. Go on. Go on. I was going right. to talk about John Kinnear, basically, or uh, yeah, Kinnear. Go on, John Osborne was a very famous uh, playwright, actually. He was a playwright, producer, and director of movies. And I think it was a book called A Look Back in Anger that made him famous. So he was an actor who was a playwright uh, who was quite big in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he was one of those intellects. Uh, this is the guy that played Kinnear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Talking, right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah but if you look at it, it wasn't a typical gang. He didn't look like a typical gangster the way no, he spoke. Very um, well but, spoken, sort yeah. of very... Well, it, it helped with that kind of inc- like, almost like increased intelligence kind of character. It was because he, he fleeced that guy at poker, didn't he, yes. at one end. Yeah. On £600, which was a lot of money those days. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still decent. It might might be able to pay your energy bill for a month for 600 quid, so I wouldn't turn in my nose up at 600 quid. But when the average, if uh, the average, this was the thing uh, that surprises when people say my monthly salary was about 50 quid a month in the 70s or 100 quid a month. If you were really good, you might get 300 quid a month and directors would be making 500 quid a month. So when you're gambling 600 quid or just 300 quid a go, wow, that is like a life of luxury you must be living in, which he was, obviously, with the house he had. And that's why most of these guys went off to America in those days uh, because of that, because of the lifestyle and everything as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad to see the decline of uh, our uh, great country. It was no longer GB at the time. It was like it was Britain, but no longer great. <laughs> yeah, well, hasn't been like that for incredible long period of time. But yeah, I mean, we're just witnessing the implosion right now. So yes, <laughs> so, don't quite know how long we'll be able to do these movie reviews because it takes electricity. And that's becoming a scarce resource these days. You just don't know how long it's going to last. Or we might be doing them, but every two seconds it might be cutting off. So we might be just like, and, and that's it. And then start yeah. again. Well, perhaps we could do two, ten minutes at a time and just our movie reviews become like episodic over a period of time. We just do yep. ten minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, might be can't getting, help uh, but talk about it. Can't, can't, especially now seeing like this 1971 movie with this landscape. Was like Newcastle looks like a war zone with piles of bricks and fucking shit everywhere. And with what's going on right now, 
yep. with <clears throat> the changes that we're going to see. You can't help but think, oh, fuck me. That's like, it's almost like a, 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 it's almost like looking at the future in this movie. <laughs> oh, gee, wow. Well. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we're going to end up being doing the same job as Carl then, are we, uh, Paul? Do I you have that nice, just, just living in damp houses and piles of bricks everywhere and people can't be bothered to cut their lawns and stuff like that, you know? So if I came down <laughs> south or up north uh, wearing a nice suit in 10 years' time like that, they would stare at me. And would I be allowed to go, oi, in a thin glass? Yeah, I think... Um, <coughs> I'll get my head I think it'd be like kicked that. in. It'd be, it'd be like that across all the country, <coughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone would be smoking again in the pubs, having their pints, union striking and all that, yeah. Well, what's going on at the moment? I learned recently that Royal Mail and Parcel Force are in the middle of a fucking union strike right now because the package I ordered like over a week ago still ain't arrived. Like, oh, right, that's why it's not arrived. Oh, I get it now. Okay, brilliant. Get get through an American company, you know. They, they deliver on the next day, guaranteed. Hmm. <laughs> um, the end of this film, where Eric dies, that seems to be sort of like the... Although he's grasped up Kinnear, he's sent me the 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 video reel of the pornographic movie. He sent that to the um, the Vice Squad in Scotland yep. Yard. Although he's done that, two fairly big things. He's taken down almost the entire criminal organisation. The big the, you know big build up crescendo of this movie is killing that guy Eric. Yeah, that 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 was it. Uh... I don't know if you read this, but they didn't want to actually kill him off because this, if it's a success, we want a uh, sequel. Sequel, right. And there's actually two other books with uh, Carter in them. One of them, he goes to Rome uh, and deals with the Italian mafia in Rome. And okay. the third one I don't know too much about, but that one I do know about because I read quite a bit of that when I was originally actually getting into Jack Carter movies. Because I don't know if I told you, I actually wrote a script myself of an update version of Jack Carter. Is that what Sly Stallone did? <laughs> no, not that. That, that was quite uh, that was quite shit. I mean, a proper British version. You know, uh, right. I mean, no, no offence to Silver Stallone, but you can't turn a British gangster movie into an American gangster movie. The culture's different. Everything's different. Uh, no, this was an update in a sense of I made him the white collar uh crime as well as blue collar and he was a and he was a bit of a snob as well he went to oxbridge instead of being a working class gangster from newcastle <laughs> See, basically you just rewrote james bond <laughs> yeah but as a gangster <laughs> right uh and, but because I don't think anyone, and the reason why, if I did make it that, the reason why I made it that way, I do not think anyone can do a Cockney accent as good as Michael Caine, although you've got uh, other people like Ray Vince and, and stuff like that, but no, there's only one Michael Caine, and that's why I changed that bit of the character, because I do not think you can have another Michael Caine, because it's common now. In those days, it was unique to have someone doing, having a Cockney accent. And I, I know Dick Van Dyke tried it in the 60s, but it was awful. But this is a real cock... Actually, Michael Caine, I don't think he's a cockney, actually. I think he wasn't uh, born near the actual bells. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that he might as well, he's pretty pretty much... In South Isn't he? Um, yeah, I think he's South Early East, life. Though. Caine was born Maurice Joseph... Winklebury. Bicklewhite, yeah, that's his real name. Wow, Maurice Joseph Bicklewhite, and he was born nineteen thirty-three at Saint Saint Olive's Hospital in Rotherhithe. Rotherhithe. I think which is southeast. Rotherhithe. Yeah, Rotherhithe, right. London. I think that's southeast, but I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, he's southeast. Not, yeah. So he's not close to the actual. Um, point where they consider you Cockney. So he's not a Cockney, he's actually a South East Londoner. He sounds... He's a, uh, yeah. yeah. He's a Londoner, why don't we say? It's complex. If you go on to details like that, I think people won't understand what we're saying internationally. 
Hmm. Do you know Roger Moore was born in the same area as him, but he went to Rada. That's why the posh accent. Roger Moore wasn't uh, from a posh family himself. His dad was a police officer. All right. Well, I mean, at that at that period of time, I mean, that's getting on middle class, isn't it? Being a father's a police yeah. officer in the service. But he had a similar accent to Michael Caine when he was a kid. He basically got into father and he became an officer and stuff like that. And his accent changed into that. Hmm. Yeah, so yes. my name is Bond. Yeah. And apparently Sean Connery changed his accent as well, made it uh, more understandable. He said his accent was really Scottish, really strong. So, yeah, uh, Michael Caine was the only one who kept his accent. And that's why he played these parts of a sort of a rebel all the time or someone, uh, a geezer, as we call them. Like in Alfie, he was a geezer. Uh, mm. having, uh, sort of the first thing you see in that movie is him having sex in the car, back of a car. Uh, but anyway, that's what made him famous, and uh, there's only one Michael Caine, and that's why we wrote it to make him sound a little bit posher and being from Oxbridge because no one can do Michael Caine. So I um, posted an article recently about Michael Caine this week, actually, on our social media channels, mm-hmm. saying that um, the reason why he's given up acting is because he's just losing his mind. He's just forgetting yes. things and stuff. I mean, was he 89 now? 89, yeah. Amazing. He's the last one left, I think, from that generation. From okay, there was Terence Stamp, who could have been as famous, but I mean, out of the raw famous ones, I think he's a lot, one of the last ones left of that generation. Uh, and once he's mm. gone, that's it. The connection of the sixties are gone. So people like me have to continue watching those movies to make sure that people do not forget Michael Caine and people like that. Otherwise, the new generation don't know who there will be. Well, the new generation, I guess, would probably know him as being um, the butler for Batman. Yeah, and that's the Christian it. Bale movies. Um, they'll forget. Uh, they'll forget that once upon a time he was young as well, and he played parts like Get Carter. Hmm. So, what do you think of this film overall? Then, what's what's your score? Okay, so quickly before we go to the score, the reason why they ended the movie the, the way they did was mm. uh, they were saying his soul was empty. Although he took his revenge and did something that morally was right himself, he knew in heart of hearts he was a sane. He had no morals himself, and that's why they killed him off in the end, just to say he was an empty soul. We did the same thing as them. Yeah, I suppose that that's the kind of impression I got from it. Uh, that was a hell of a shot by that sniper. Yeah. I mean, straight he was about the, yeah, straight straight in between the eyes on that. Right. Amazing shot. Highly yeah. unrealistic, but there you go. Um, actually, I want to get in a point just before we do the scores, although I instigated that. Um, when he kills Eric, he puts him in that coal cart thing that's kind oh, of yes. going around. In the, and then he gets dumped. So I thought he was going to dump that into like a furnace or something. No, he it gets dumped into the sea. I thought, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's progress that we have made since the 70s, is that our oceans around the coast and that are actually pretty clean these days. But that, they were just dumping coal and all sorts of shit right into the fucking sea. Sorry, I thought I misunderstood that not dump, you know, not dumping bodies any longer at sea. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck me. I, I was completely blown away by that. I was like, what? He's going to dump all that shit straight in the ocean. Yeah, it Time does look quite... changed. It does look, and it does look quite shitty up there as well. That's all I'm going to oh, say. It looks God, depressing. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, all the sand and everything. The beaches were black, weren't they? And, but the music, that's the thing we have to talk about. That music was done by Rudd Bud, I think, or someone like that. And that was amazing, the way he composed that sort of jazzy sort of tune. Uh, to me, that, it's like the James Bond tune. To me, it'll be always related to get Carter, Michael Caine. It's quite distinctive, I'll give it that. I mean, I don't think it was the best soundtrack in a movie, but it was quite distinctive. Go on then, give us a score then. Okay. And probably Justin will disagree with me, but I'm going to give it an eight. I think it's a classic. It's got Michael Caine. Last of the Mohicans, as I call them, him, uh, because he is the last of the uh, big cheeses of that era left. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think it's just a movie. It was straight to the point. I'm a gangster. I don't give a shit. He <laughs> didn't. Glenda dies. Goes okay. She's dead. 
back of the car. He killed that guy in the betting shop. Just stabbed yeah. him. I know you didn't kill him. I know you didn't say, don't worry, I'm going to let you go. Bang, bang. Stab, stab. See you later, mate. I, you're dead. And went off. It's not like the modern movies where they would have a dialogue for 50 minutes or something like that before he would do something and then let that person go. Yeah. That was it. It was straight to the point. And that's what I liked about the movie. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to give it a seven. Um, oh, what, six? Seven? No, yeah, I know. Yeah, I thought <laughs> long and hard on this one. Um, well, sixes for me are just like, yeah, okay, it was all right. Um, but I gave this a seven because um, I like the grittiness of it. I do like that. It's, it's a snapshot in time. And I quite like watching these older movies because of that. Um, but just that sort of dirty griminess of it all. And it really does, well, it kind of makes it appreciate what, what you've got in life as well. Yes. So when I finished that film, I thought, fuck me. I'm glad I didn't have to live in that. Dealing with all that white privilege. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad I didn't have to do it, deal with all that. Uh, fucking hell. So <laughs> I thought it was quite well acted as well. I mean, Michael Caine, I think most of the films that he's in, they're usually quite interesting to watch. He has a certain presence on camera. Um, I like the old, um, the way that the women were treated in this. I kind of like the old, it was just a part of its time. And it was nice to see women act like predominantly they are in society. Um, not this kind of sassy, bitchy kind of fucking third, fourth wave feminism style. They were survivors. They were, they did what they had to do to get higher up the ladder, shag a fat bloke who's got loads of money or, you know, prostitute themselves out and own a B&B and stuff, you know, to just survive and get on with it. And they were just scratching it out for a living. I kind of like that. Not these fucking, you know what I'm talking about, these yeah, yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood female characters yeah. that are, everyone's got to get down their knee for them and stuff. Um, yeah. Because the reason why I think one it's wokeness, and the other thing is because we've not we've not had uh, tough times like that generation. We are a privileged, or the people definitely after us, or at least twenty years younger than us, or the next generation, they've not seen that sort of poverty, and that's why I think they've got this uh, entitlement of having everything on their sort of silver plate given to them. And that's why I think mm. some of them have that attitude as well. Uh, and I think I'm talking about both sexes uh, here as well. Uh, and I think in this movie, it just shows that's not how life is. You need to really work your ass off and it's tough. And, and you have to do things that you don't want to do, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm sure um, uh, the character Jack Carter probably wanted to go to college, get his O-levels, A-levels, maybe want to go and do a degree, but he had no choice. He had to go so to I London and become a gangster. I don't think that at all. I think, you know what? I think there's nothing wrong with enjoying what you do for a living. And no, in fact, one... my... if he wants what? to be a gangster and he's good at it, yep. then fucking do it. No, what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying he didn't want to do necessarily do that, but he may have had that desire. But he never had a choice except to become a gangster or do whatever he needed to do. And he, but he I... enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, Some people I mean, that's, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing in this film that indicates that at all. That's, I think that's your thinking, and maybe you're right, but there's nothing in this film that suggests right. that he wants to do anything other than just... Go to South America. Go to South America, get revenge. He's been a gangster for God knows how long. It's just his way of life. He doesn't know any different or any better, and that's just what he does. Okay, I'm going to put it in a different way. Uh, people these days get opportunities. In those days, you had to do what you needed to do to survive. That's what I was trying to say more than anything. Not necessarily you wanted to go to that, but you've got those choices mm. now because you, your parents or grandparents were more wealthier than that generation. That's what I'm trying to say. Those people had to work their ass off, uh, either in the coal mines, behind bars. Like she said, when he asked uh, his niece slash daughter what, where do you work i left school i work at woolworths and you go and he's sarcastic and he said that that sounds exciting and she went yeah it is yeah no come on no yeah it's, it's woolworths yeah yeah 
Yeah. And wolves don't exist anymore. Went bust. No. Yeah. So, so there you go. So it's the, those <laughs> things. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Should we leave it there? Yep, we should. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All, all I'm going to say oh. before we go, sorry. All I'm going to say is, Justin, I'm really disappointed you didn't turn up for this movie, mate. And I've noticed you do it every time we have an old movie. <laughs> so next week, I'm washing mm. my hair, and uh, I'm telling Paul in advance, I'm not going to be here because I'm washing my hair and having a shave. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Paul, I won't be no. here. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, as all left to say is, you know, Thanks for tuning in if you did watch live. Um, and follow us on social media and all the usual shit. You know, we're on Facebook and all that bollocks. Um, 1178.com. You can find everything that we're doing there. Uh, that's about it, really. That's a good night from me. It's a good night from me.